Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. Um, thank God for everybody that's here this morning. Um, I have a word from the Lord. Um, it's the middle of the year, and um, I've been making it a habit the last few years that every time I preach my message for the first time for the year, I kind of defer to the theme, uh, the theme uh, of the church. And this year, our theme is purposely commanded to serve. And I want to kind of use that theme to kind of frame my message to you this morning. Um, If you're like me, when you've set a goal, at certain periods, you assess that goal. If, if, and, and the point I'm making is, it's about, it's coincidental, we're about midway through the year. And so I think it's a good time that we take a look and refresh our minds and our hearts as to what the theme is. That our theme is indeed to serve and that we have been purposely commanded to serve. And so I'm going to kind of use that this morning to frame our message. Um, and I just want to read the scripture this morning. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20 I'm going to read that scripture to you. It says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I want to read real quickly the, 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 the scripture theme for this year. First um, Peter 4, verse 10 to 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of the grace of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so this morning I'm going to frame a theme, and the theme this morning is going to be purposely commanded to serve, God says go. Perfectly, perfectly commanded to serve, God says go. Now I have a mind, my mind works a funny way, and the first time I saw purposely commanded to serve, there's a part of me, I like to question things. Not to be a rebel, but to understand what I'm dealing with. And so when I saw the theme, purposely commanded to serve, one of the first thoughts that jumped to my mind is, whose command is it? (laughs) Who's commanding me to serve? Who's commanding you to serve? I want to tell you this morning that as great as pastor is, and he's a phenomenal leader, he's not the one giving the command. I want to tell you this morning that though he is the president of the Eastern New York General Assembly, and I'm sorry, the National Association of the Church of God, He's really not the one giving you the command. So so who's giving us this command? Who who is issuing this command? I want to tell somebody this morning that that command came from God himself. 
the, the command to serve isn't Clifton McDowell's command to you. The command to serve is God's command to you and I to serve. And we see it here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 19. Jesus tells them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. To who? Jesus. He has authority in heaven. He has authority on earth. And he says, out of that authority, I'm going to give you a command. He says, go. It's a two-word command. <laughs> he says, go. Go and make disciples of the nation. Go and serve. So who gave the command? God himself is giving us the command to serve. It's a command that carries with it great consequences for humanity. And sometimes I don't know if we think about that enough. That our command to serve carries with it great consequences, eternal consequences for humanity. The command carries with it consequences that will determine the eternal resting place, whether it be a place with Christ or a hellish eternity in torment. It's a command that determines how we live in time, not just in eternity, but how we live now. Whether we live lives committed to following the teachings of Christ as disciples and, repeat and re reaping its inherent blessings, or whether we continue to live in sin and reap the consequences and the fallout that comes with sin. So God commanded us to serve. I want to tell you this morning, God says go. And I'm going to use the, the word God this morning. I'm going to use the G-O-D to kind of frame our message this morning. I'm going to tell you some things about the G. I'm going to tell you some things about the, do, the O. And then I'm going to tell you something about the do. And so I want to start with the G this morning. Well, first thing I want to tell you, that the command is group specific. The command to go, the command to serve is group specific. This command wasn't just given to everybody. The scriptures talks about the disciples. It says the disciples came, and then the scripture says Jesus said to them. To who? The disciples. The command was given to the disciples. It was specifically given to the disciples. So the point I'm making is the command to serve my brothers and sisters is group specific. And it hasn't changed. The command to serve is still group specific. It's given to disciples. It's given to born-again believers in Jesus Christ who have committed their lives to serving and following Jesus Christ. That command was given to you and to me as disciples of Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, only a disciple in Jesus Christ can receive that command. The, the truth is, only a disciple in Jesus Christ can execute that command. There's no other group on earth that can execute or receive that command. So the first thing I want to tell you is that the command to serve is group specific. It was given to the disciples. It is given to you and me as disciples of Jesus Christ that God has commanded us to serve because we're disciples. You know, the command carries with it, Brother Ansel, an inherent assumption. It assumes that we are already disciples. If, if, if we go back to, um, I want to show the themes for last year. Leah, if you just bring that up for me. The themes for 2018 to present. In 2018, our theme was purposely designed to serve. Do you realize that was discipleship? 2019, purposely equipped to serve, it's still discipleship. 2020, purposely positioned to serve, it's still talking about discipleship. And 2021, purposely empowered to serve, still talking about discipleship. And all of that has led to today's 
this year's theme. Purposely designed discipleship, purposely equipped discipleship, purposely positioned, purposely empowered. All of that was training. And all of that training from 2018, all of that information is to bring us to 2022 where God says, okay, now you have been purposely designed, now you have been equipped, now you have been positioned, now you have been empowered. It's time to do something with all of that. He said, go serve. You're no longer an inlet. God is saying, time out for being an inlet. I've been pouring into you since 2018. He said, now go be an outlet. Go make disciples. And so it was specific command given to us and the brilliance of the theme. And as I looked at this and I'm thinking, God is amazing. Because only God can look down the road and put in man, Crispin McDowell, a, a, a series of themes that are so well synchronized, well thought out, that you know the Spirit of God had to be involved in that. But all of that discipleship has brought us to this place where he says, go. Jesus spent 33 years on earth. Three was really his ministering years. Over those three years, he called a series of men to serve. And, and, and God, Jesus, took three years to disciple the disciples. <laughs> do, do you guys understand that Jesus' ministry really was more about the disciples than anything else? Because what? He left them behind. He said they would turn the world upside down to duplicate themselves because we are the church. We are Christ in the world. And so Jesus took three years to shape and to mold the disciples. And then he comes to Matthew 28 and he says, okay, you know what, guys? I've been pouring in you for three years. He said, you've been an inlet for three years. He said, now it's time to go. He says, I'm going to issue a command to go. And so the first thing I want to tell you this morning is that the command is, it was issued by God to a specific group of people and they were the disciples. So the first thing I want to tell you is that this group specific. The second thing I want to tell you is that those who have received the command are not just left unto themselves, but they're governed by a greater power. One, we're group specific, but we're governed by a greater power. Matthew 28, verse 18, speaking of himself, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so we have been governed, we're governed, we're group specific, but this group of disciples is governed by a greater power and a greater authority, none other than Jesus Christ himself. And so we're not just running around expecting to do things our own way. He gave us specific command. He says, teach them to obey what I have taught you. The, the, the fact that we're governed, Sister Ivan, me and I don't go out there telling them about Conrad Beckford, how to be Conrad Beckford. No, I go out there telling them how to live like the Jesus Christ that is in me. Because the truth is, when I go out there, they're supposed to see Jesus in me. See, see that's what we duplicate. I don't want to duplicate me. Sometimes I don't like myself. I am frail, I am prone to failure. I don't want to duplicate me and anybody. <laughs> Listen, my sons are a lot like me, and sometimes I say, God, you know, take a hold of that. Let them be the better part of me. But you see, my brothers and sisters, I want the, my neighbor to be everything like Jesus Christ. I, I want my coworkers to be everything like Jesus Christ. And you see, discipleship is a state of being. 
See, he said, go make disciples. You first have to be a disciple. And you know how you make disciples? You live like a disciple. And that's what you duplicate in others. But I want you to know something this morning, that we're not called to do our own thing. We're governed by a greater authority, and that authority is Jesus Christ himself. And so we don't just go out and do things the way we do. In Matthew 20, verse 28, 20 to 28, Jesus gives us a blueprint. So the, the mother of Zebedee came to Jesus, and she, she wanted her boys to have a special place in the kingdom. But Jesus gave her an answer. She said, Lord, can one of my sons sit on your right, one of my sons sit on your left? Matthew chapter 20, in verse 25, Jesus said, Jesus asked them in verse 22, he said, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom, those for whom they have been prepared by the Father. So when the tent heard this, they were indignant with two brothers, the two brothers, Jesus called them together and said, you know the rules of the Gentiles, the rulers of the Gentiles, isn't this Lord over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. He says, not so with you. Here it is, here it is. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Verse 28, here's the blueprint. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, that's the blueprint. We duplicate Jesus Christ. We serve the way Jesus served. That's the blueprint. And so we are governed by a greater authority. We're not just doing this willy-nilly. God has given us a specific strategy, a specific blueprint, and how to serve. So I want you to know this morning that Jesus Christ is the authority over your life. And if every now and then you don't go back to high command and say, give me some more instruction, if you don't realize, if you're not plugged into high command, you won't know, you won't know where the battlefield is. You won't know when the enemy is coming. You won't know what weapons you have. When you forget that you're the authority over your life and it's Jesus Christ, you can't just live how you want to live. You can't just do how you want to do. Why? Because you're governed. And so it's group-specific. We're governed. But the third thing I want to tell you is God is amazing. God doesn't just send you out. He gives you some gifts. And so we're gifted. You're equipped and empowered to serve through the indwelling Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Those two things equip you. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. You can't do anything without those things. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and watch this, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. So God gives us some equipment. God gives us some empowerment. And so the, the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's a person. He's God. So God not only calls you, God not only governs you, God equips you. And guess who he equips you with himself? That's phenomenal. 
God really equips you with himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the word in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What's the scripture saying? Without Without faith, we're powerless to serve. So how do we get faith? Romans 10, verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. See, see, the Bible says faith without works is dead. In other words, it's saying you can't serve without faith. If you try to serve without faith, he said it's a dead service. It's a powerless service. It's a pointless, it's a useless service. But he says faith through the power of the word of God, that's how we develop faith. He said that kind of faith creates things. That kind of faith changes things. That kind of faith establishes things. That kind of faith moves things. So we're gifted, and we've been given a mission to go make disciples. The fourth thing I want to tell you is that not only are we group-specific, not only are we uh, governed, not only are we gifted, but we are guarded. (laughs) Matthew chapter 28, verse 20 says, And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus tells them, I'm with you always. Now, Now, here's something. I did a, you know, I love God's word. And I love to understand the fullness of God's word. And so I, I did a, a study on this. And Jesus, by the answer, Jesus uses two words there to say I. Only God can do that. God, God is amazing. Jesus says, I will be with you. The first word he uses, E-G-O. Not ego as we think. And Jesus was saying, I will personally be with you. That's what ego means. It's talking about a first person. Jesus said, I will be with you. I, ego, I, Jesus Christ, God the Son, will personally be with you. And then, Brother Ansel, in that same I, he uses the word E-I-M-I. And that word is the same word where God says, I am. Wow. The two words combined. E-M-I and ego speaks to God's full name, Yahweh. Jesus is saying, not only am I going to be with you personally, he says all of God is going to be with you. All of Yahweh is going to be with you. Brother Alvin would say, backed up by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses one word, I. Only God did so. And he says, in I, he says, me, Jesus. In I, he says, the whole Godhead is going to be with you. And do you understand that when God comes with you, all of God's resources, (laughs) all of God's power, all of God's anointing, all of God's wisdom, all of God's knowledge, all of God's provision, all of God. So you weren't just sent out, Brother Ansel. See, when soldiers go on the battlefield, they're not alone. See, there are some guys in some offices looking at some screen that's called high command. And I say, high command sees the bigger picture. High command sees the enemy from afar. High command knows what weapons you need, when and where. High command knows when to tell you where to go. And understand that Jesus says, I will be with you. High command is with you. That's why we can serve with a COVID. We can serve in storms. We can serve in famines. We can serve in whatever season. Why? Because high command 
God who governs the seasons. He says, I am with you. And so in that one eye, <laughs> Jesus says, I Jesus Christ. But he says, I Yahweh. <laughs> All of God is with you. And he says, not just temporarily, not just when you go on the battlefield, not just in the heat of battle. He says always. Hold on. That word always, Brother Ansel, means even when you have left the place, God is still there. Wow. The word always has a, it's a word that says residual. In other words, Sister Val, when you have done your work and move on, God says, I'm still there. Woo! <laughs> Isn't that phenomenal? So when you've moved on, those people that you have touched, God said, I didn't just abandon them. He says, I'm, my residual effect remains with them. See, and that's how disciples are formed. Because he says, I am, I am, I am, will be with you always. So not only are we group specific, not only are we governed and gifted, not only are we guarded, but we have a goal. We have a mission. It's specific. It's to make disciples. It's to duplicate Christ in you, in others. It's not a telling business. You know, discipleship isn't passed through. See, evangelism can be a pass-through thing. See, an evangelist, Billy Graham, he'd come in town for six, two weeks and pass through. But you know, Brother Answer, Billy Graham recognizes that discipleship is not a pass-through thing. So do you understand that for years and months before Billy Graham comes to town, he establishes uh, synergies with churches, and he brings in workers who will do the work of discipleship when he leaves. Because discipleship is a tarry business. Discipleship is not a pass-through. Discipleship is, I'm going to stay for a while. I'm going to be with you for a while. So we have a goal and a mission, and it's not a pass-through mentality. You can't disciple somebody on the run. You can't disciple somebody with your back turned to them, walking away. No, you got to stop and listen. Do you know at work, Sister Yvonne, people will tell me things, and two weeks later I'll go back to them and I'll say, so how did that thing go? And they're like, what are you talking about? They didn't even remember that they told me. But I remember, you know what, because it's important. Because I was really listening. I don't ask you how you are because... A cliche thing. I really want to know. Every worker, every job, every worker I pass, no matter what your status, I say, hell, how are And I stop because I really want to know. I accepted a job over a year ago, and let me tell you something. That's the first job I accepted, not feeling like it was a job, but feeling like it was ministry. And Brother Jared, I went in that job, and let me tell you something. The devil created hell for me before I got there. The devil told all kind of lies because, you see, I was working them temporarily on the night, and I kind of changed it. You see, when you, when, when you shake up things, people don't like it. When, when you bring a different standard, people don't like it. And so I got on the job, Brother Ansel, and day one, I was enemy number one. But you know, a week before I started, my sister-in-law was in prayer, and she called me, and she spoke to me, and she gave me some words from God. She said, this is what, God, I didn't even tell her about the job. But God gave her, I said, this is what I'm going to do on that job. 
And let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. It was hell <laughs> for a few weeks and a few months. But Brother Jared, did I push back? No. One day I got in the elevator and I was overwhelmed. I said, God. And I'm going to tell you something. One, one of the workers there, she said, Conrad, she said, I thought I was going to meet a monster. <laughs> because I was so portrayed as a monster. She says, I can't believe. She said, when I met you, I kept asking, okay, so where's the guy that they said was coming? <laughs> and let me tell you something. What God has done in the job I shared with Sister Yvonne, the place has improved. The, the job they call me to do, I've done it well but the glory of God. But do you understand something? That the biggest change was in the people. The, the biggest change was in how I touch people's lives. The biggest change was people having a director and a boss who understands that you are somebody. Not just a job title, not just a job number. And so I tell people, I, I don't manage job description, Sister Val. I manage people. And that means, Brother Ansel, I have to understand individuals. I have to know what's going on in their lives, Brother Jared. I have to, because my worker will come one day and I say, something is different. See, I want to know when your kid's acting up because guess what? It's going to impact how you do. Come on, come on. See, that's discipleship. And I'm telling you something. These same people who couldn't stand me day one are my greatest allies. Why? Because God says, I'm going to be with you. <laughs> but I want to tell you some things about the O. First thing I want to tell you is that in your, your pursuit and your obedience to this command, you're going to be opposed. <laughs> you're going to face opposition. First Thessalonians 2 verse 1 to 2 says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously, listen to this, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. As you'd know, but with the help of God, we dare to tell you his gospel, what's this, in the face of strong opposition. I'm going to tell you something, that when you determine in your heart that one, you're going to obey the command, and two, you're going to execute the command to serve, you're going to face serious opposition. And sometimes, unfortunately, we face opposition within and without. That's why we need God. We need God, but you're going to face opposition. Right? You're probably facing it now. I faced it on the job, but because God says, I'm with you. And because I wasn't going there putting Conrad Beckford on display, I went there on a mission and an assignment. God turned it around. But there was opposition. For weeks, Brother Ansel, I sat and I listened. See, so when you're listening, people think you're not. You have nothing to contribute. <laughs> Sister Yvonne, they were going around saying, I'm clueless, I look lost. <laughs> but you know what I did? I listened for weeks. And I absorbed like a sponge. See, I I'm a slow starter. But once I get going, Brother Ansel, I'm not the fastest of starters because I like to listen. And I like to allow. But Brother Ansel, people were saying he's clueless because I was just listening. I wasn't saying much. But there come a time. <laughs> when I started speaking, Brother Ansel, changes took place. People had to step up and, why? Because God said you're on a mission. 
So I want to tell somebody this morning, you're going to be opposed. I want to tell you also, not only are you going to be opposed, you're going to be oppressed. It's one thing to be opposed, Brother Jared. It's one thing for a man to stand in your way. But it's one thing for that man standing in your way and actually making it hard for you to do what you have to do. See, oppression is different than opposition. And I want to tell somebody you're going to be oppressed. Acts 14, 21, 22 says, They preached the gospel in the city and won a large number of disciples. Wow. Disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Listen to this. Strengthened the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. They said, We must go through many hardships. We must, we must, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's a guarantee. You're going to face opposition. It's a guarantee. You're going to face oppression. The disciples, after, remember, they just had victory, Sister Ivan. They just won many disciples. And yet they said in doing that, we must, face strong opposition. Brothers and sisters, it's a guarantee that when you step up to obey that command, you're going to be opposed and you are going to be oppressed. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 1 to 2, it says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit was not without results. It says we had previously suffered, but watch this, been treated outrageously. Does that sound like oppression? Outrageously. In other words, these people treated us in a way no human being should be treated. You know, the Bible says that we are the smell of death to some people. People don't, nobody likes to smell death. So you wonder why sometimes people act up when they see you. You didn't do anything. You didn't even say a word. The Bible says to them you represent death. And it says we are the order, the essence of life to others. So why some reject you and oppose your brother answer? Because sin, sin smells the death of sin. But life smells the essence of life. And so those people who are comfortable in their sin, when you step in the place, they begin to oppose you for no reason because they smell a death smell on you that points to their sinfulness that make them react negatively to you. But somebody who's seeking life, you walk in and they drawn to you. And you wonder, you didn't say a word. You didn't do a thing. But they have aligned themselves with you. You know why? Because you're seeking life and to them there's an essence of life. But ah, you're going to be oppressed. And when we face oppression, Brother Jared, we have a responsibility to strengthen and encourage each other. Acts 14, 21 to 22 said, they preached the gospel in that city and won large numbers of disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, watched to strengthen the disciples and encouraging them. We have to encourage each other. Listen, there's enough discouragement in the world. We shouldn't come to church and be discouraged by our brothers and sisters. The Bible says more and more as you see the end of time approaching, the Bible, more and more and more. Encourage each other. That's the word of God. 
So when we face opposition and oppression, we have a responsibility to encourage and to strengthen and to build up each other. That's our That comes with that. You don't see our soldiers, brother, in, 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 um, in tunnels on the ground. You don't see them fighting against each other. No, you see a brother pulling back, he, and he's saying, no, bro, hey, bro, come on, because they understand that we're a unit. That if you, brother, answer that hold up, you expose me to bullets. And so they call it a brotherhood. There is no soldier on the battlefield discouraging another soldier. I promise you it won't happen. I've never seen it anywhere. I've never heard it anywhere. It's a brotherhood, and they say, hey, you have to be strong. You have to fight on. And no, you're, you're feeling weak, right? But you have to fight on because we have a mission. Strengthen and encourage each other. And then I want to tell you, the last thing I want to tell you is that you're going to sometimes, in accepting the command and exceeding the command, uh, not only are you going to be opposed and oppressed, you're going to be overwhelmed. <sighs> Do you know Jesus came to a moment where he was overwhelmed? <laughs> the Son of God himself. Matthew 28, verse 36 to 39 says, Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, listen to this, my soul is overwhelmed. Jesus, Jesus was both fully God and fully man. You know that, right? He says, my soul is overwhelmed. With sorrow, watch this, to the point of death. And he wasn't talking about death on the cross. <laughs> he was saying, you ever feel so overwhelmed that you don't even want to? Anybody ever been there? That you felt so overwhelmed by something that, my God, if I cease to exist right now, that would be relief for me. That's what he's talking about. He wasn't talking about the death on the cross. He was talking about a sorrowful feeling that made you, I don't want to go on. But Jesus was overwhelmed. And I want to tell you something that is natural and normal to get to a point where you feel overwhelmed. When you do, don't think you're doing something bad. When you do, don't think you did something wrong. Jesus did nothing wrong. It's natural, it's human. But when we get to that place, we need a power that's supernatural. We, we need a power that goes beyond normal, human norm. We need the power of Almighty God. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31, he says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the, creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired. See, you may grow tired and weary, but God doesn't. See, in that moment, Jesus, the human, was overwhelmed. And he spoke to God the Father, a greater power than his human strength. And he said, nevertheless, he found the strength to say, I feel like giving up, but God, I'm not going to give up because of you. See, we need a greater power. And so he says, he will not grow weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the strength of the weary. In other words, you're going to become weary. If there wasn't somebody weary, God wouldn't need to give strength. You're going to get weak in the execution of that command. You're going to get weak, but he says, power to the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. 
They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. There's a war movie called Hacksaw Ridge. You need to see that movie. Um, was it, well, he was a Mormon, I think. Um, but because of his very feeble and, and, and fragile because of his faith. And he didn't like the guns. He didn't like the war thing. But in the midst of battle, when his partners were getting killed on Hacksaw Ridge, he found that faith. That energy brother answered the climb hundreds of feet, and I think he rescued something like 26 soldiers. No other soldier did that. This little feeble, weak guy who found that strength. It's okay when you get to that place because God says, I'm going to give you strength to soar like a needle. And then the D is just simply, just do it. G <laughs> O D. The first two words in God, the first two letters in God is go. G-O-D says go, G-O-D says go do. What are we called to do? Make disciples. To duplicate Christ in you, in somebody else. That's really what a disciple is called to walk with Christ, called to live like Christ, sent to work for Christ. but we're not making many ourselves. We're making Christ-like images in others. So I want to tell somebody this morning that we have a command to serve. And the world needs us. The world is darker today than at any point in history. And you know, we say we're in the enlightened age. I think we're in the dark ages. We're in dark ages because man's power has eroded God's power. Uh, every, you know, I, I hear the debate going on about guns and, and one side is saying it's mental illness and one side is saying it's guns and everybody is saying it, but I don't hear the church anywhere. I hear all groups speaking. I hear all kind of people out there in the street, but where is the church? Because I want to tell you something. The problem is not guns. The problem, is not, it's, the problem is not mental illness. The problem is sin. See, try as he may, there's nothing the president can do about sin. Try as she may, pass all the gun laws you want, unless the problem of sin is addressed, people are still going to be killing people. But there's only one voice that can stand up and defend that. The voice is largely silent. Breaks my heart. Where is the church? Where's the light of the world? Where's the city? The Bible says, cannot be hid. Are we waiting for a revival? How many children are going to die when we sit and wait for a revival? And don't tell me we're praying. It's good to pray, but the Bible says you're a city on a hill cannot be hid. You be visible. But we become content with just praying. God help us. And so we say, oh, but we're praying. It's not enough. We are salt. The world is dying and decaying. And we're waiting for revival. 
and everything is decaying around us. And we say, but we're praying. Listen, my salt, <laughs> salt is one of the things that lasts long in my house. A container of salt will last for years. Because the truth is it's useless if it's not applied. If we just sit down in the walls and pray, something is wrong. I'm going to tell you, something is wrong with that. Prayer alone won't solve it. Yes, pray on all occasions, but faith without works is dead. And we get so comfortable in our comfort zone. And everybody else is speaking. Everybody else has a voice. And the church is silent. And we say we're praying. Jesus said, I was naked. I was hungry. He said, I didn't see you. <laughs> and we're going to say, Lord, but we're praying. <laughs> we have a work to do, brothers and sisters. We have a command to obey. We have a command to execute. And there's a dying world that's dependent on it. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. For your word is life. God, if ever a time where the church needs to take service seriously, it's now. We're the world is lost. There's so much lostness, God. The teenage boys are walking in the street and striking down 78-year-olds for no reason. Where New York has become like the Wild West, 15 and 13-year-olds, my God, are walking around with guns shooting down innocent children and old women. And we hear many voices, God. But in all those voices, the voice of the church is absent. Oh, God, that we would stand up. That we would be the voice of God. Because, God, the problem is greater than guns and the problem is greater than mental illness. It's greater than anger. The problem really is a sin problem at its root. And there's only one agency in the world, God, that you've established to address the sin problem, and that is the church, the body of Christ. So God, we have been called to serve. Lives are depending on it. Generations are depending on it. Because when the church steps up, God, things change. When we step out, things happen. When we move, God, you move. When we step in, you step in. So God, I pray for your church, for these here at the Church of God of East New York, that we would have a renewed commitment to this command to serve. We wouldn't take it lightly, God. 
because it was a command issued not by our pastor, but issued by Jesus Christ himself. And so God, I pray for every disciple in the hearing of my voice that you've been called to serve. You've been called to a mission field, whether it be on your job, wherever you go, whatever you do, you've been called to serve and to bring glory to God there. So Father, stir our hearts. Put an urgency in our souls, an urgency in our spirit that we wouldn't sit and wait for revival, but that God, we would find that power in us, the Holy Spirit, and that we would stand up and move and make a difference in a dying and decaying world. In the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, for those who do not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, God, for their salvation, that you would call them to discipleship, call them to a life that would make a difference. Our young men and young women, our seniors, you'd raise them up to be like Jesus. God, I've delivered your word. I've done all that I can do. You said your word wouldn't return void. So let us accomplish that for which it was sent this morning in the lives of these hearers. Bless us, God. Make us a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Wow. That was a great message. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.